Well, here we are. Happy New Year. It is 2021. I welcome you back to Pastor B's Kitchen Table. As you know from last year, this is a place we break it up, put it back together again. And we're so glad to have our first podcast of the year. And I'm so glad to have a great, extraordinary guest in such a time as this. Dr. Mentor, will you say hello to the, to the Kitchen Table audience and tell us again who you are? Sure. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much, Pastor Hamilton, for the invitation. I am Jackie Mentor, Dr. Mentor, with the Fort Bend County Health and Human Services Department, um, and I'm the Director and Local Health Authority. Amen. So with that being said, Dr. Mentor, what do you do? So I try to inform the public about any disease that may happen that may impact them, um, and especially now in the time of COVID, in the time of pandemic, giving people information, science-based information, guidance, and then also helping our county um, elected officials with science information that helps them make decisions. Amen, amen, amen. And I'm glad you're here as a guest because today I would, I would hope that we can kind of uh, separate fact from fiction sure. and, and attempt to get some clarity because you know right now there's a whole, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, this pandemic has just grown and, and lives have been lost and, and it just seems like there's no good news. But I know that, that there's a light at the end of this tunnel. I do believe that. And so I just wanted to, I guess there were some, some, some people and members and and visitors who, who knew that I'd be talking to you today, and they kind of submitted a few questions uh, because there are a lot of questions over there. I mean, there's a plethora of information, certainly, that you see through the news media, uh, but there are some people in our community uh, who want a little more in info, so I'm glad you made yourself available. Um, one of my first questions is certainly this, Dr. Mitchell. Uh, is there any considerations for people who have pre-existing conditions such as diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, asthma, heart disease, or anything like that. How will this vaccine affect them? Sure. So maybe let's start at the at the beginning with the disease. Okay. okay. So with the disease, with the, when someone gets um, infected with the virus that causes COVID nineteen, mm -hmm. they can have a mild disease. It can be very mild. It can be just you know kind of like a cold-like symptoms. It can be a bad cold. It can be more like flu. Keep them out of work. Keep them out of uh, doing the things that they want to do, and really put them down a little bit. But for people who have other conditions, such as diabetes, such as hypertension, such as um, obesity, uh, long-term, if they've smoked for a while and their lungs are compromised, if they've had cancer and they're trying to get over cancer, so other diseases that occur in their body, they don't have what it takes to fight the disease. And they get a more severe form and may end up in the hospital. There are other people that don't know that they have diseases. They seem very healthy, but yet the virus will end them up in the hospital as well. Um, and that's just the way it works out. Sometimes there's a disease forming in them that doesn't show up quite yet, but the virus will go ahead and take advantage of their, their weaker system that it knows about right. and they end up more ill. And then our older people, 
myself included, as we get older, our immune systems just don't work the way they did when we were in our 20s and in our 30s and in our teens and younger. So it's harder for us to fight that virus and we might end up in the hospital. Um, we might end up, uh, you know, have a long-term illness and we could actually die. There are many of us that know those who have perished from this disease. So that's, that's the first thing. So the vaccine, if it is available to help prevent that, prevent the severe complications of this virus, that would be wonderful news, especially for people who have those underlying or pre-existing diseases. Okay, which springboards me into our community. Mm -hmm. And many of our people do have pre-existing conditions. And so, and you know, there's a great distrust, uncertainty, um, history uh, when it comes to national vaccinations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you address that with our community? Sure. I mean, that's very important. And it's certainly something not to take lightly. Um, there are consequences to poor behavior. We see it all the time. Mm -hmm. And and historically, there are groups that have been treated poorly, and they don't forget that. And then, of course, we share those stories, and we share the stories over and over, and the mistrust grows. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what we have to do is kind of move some of that aside when there's something to benefit our community, and, and it's, it's available for us. So one of the ways we do that, and certainly with this vaccine, especially because um, of the way it was uh, delivered and rolled out with this Operation Warp Speed from maybe a less trusted um, administration. Right. So it's harder, right? And, right? and believe me, many, many scientists were um, feeling very uncomfortable, myself included, about back about in July. It's like, now, are we going to have to you know, take sides here? Uh, whether, you know, where, where we're going to be. What we did is we educated ourselves. We continued to get on every single call we could. We, we read the literature. We do have the background to do that until we felt comfortable. And once we felt comfortable, then we could feel comfortable pushing the message out. And I can assure you, at least in the greater Houston area, your local health authorities, the physicians, we meet together twice a week. We had uh, specialists from all over the country talking to us about the vaccine, talking to us about the studies, we felt comfortable. And since we felt comfortable, we rolled up our sleeves and we got the vaccine. I got mine last Friday. So I wouldn't want anybody to get something that I would not get myself. One of the things I also try to tell people is when they don't trust how quickly it came out, I try to tell them that one of the the ways they can compare it is if you've got a package and you've got a great package and you want to give this to your grandchild, right? Mm -hmm. And you've got this great package, you can either mail it by bulk rate, it might get there in three weeks and not cost you as much, or you can do it FedEx overnight okay. and it will cost a fortune, but it'll get there. It's the same package, right? Okay. The same great thing that you prepared for your grandchild, if you pay more, you can get there a lot faster. And that's sort of how we want to look at this vaccine. Same great product. It would go through the same um, things that we, we would want to have a vaccine do. And actually, this one, based on the science, mm -hmm. is really appearing safer than some of the others that we've had out, we, you know, um, and, and more effective. So that is a very, very good thing. It's very effective in decreasing disease and death. 
We're not quite sure if it's going to decrease the spread, meaning it could possibly still be transmitted. But the more people we have get it, the more we'll know. The other thing I want to say is testing. Who did these two that are out now, who did they test of him? Because you know that's been an issue as well. Yeah. Sometimes they only try certain things in a specific population, right. and then when they're transferred to communities of color, right. we don't really know how it's going to play out. Right. So for these two vaccines, there were large clinical trials, mm -hmm. over 70,000 people in, you know, combined in both of the trials. They had people representing all different races, uh, both genders, age groups, uh, over 65, over 45, lots of different ages and ethnicities. And so that helps us as well. That was really important. They did a lot of recruiting in our community so that we could make sure that it was tried on all different types of people. Oh, that's great. I, I think something you said initially is, is so important is that back in June and July, it was hard to really differentiate the vaccine from the political chaos that was going on. It almost seemed that, that the two were simultaneously joined together, merged together. And so since you didn't trust, you, you didn't trust the actual political pundits that were there promoting it, then you naturally would not trust the vaccine either. Absolutely. So, so, so are you saying, Dr. Mentor, that, that this vaccine is safe for people of color? I believe so. I'm a woman of color. And I walked right up and took my vaccine and my dad took it. And um, I am, I am, and he's in Illinois. So um, they have a different rollout and he's over 85. So they have a different rollout, but he has taken it. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I believe it's safe. So how many vaccines are out right now? So we are in what's called phase one. Okay very limited supply of vaccine. That is kind of the way vaccines happen. Once they get approved, it takes a long time to manufacture um, of vaccines in quantity. And the quantity we need and we want soon to end this pandemic, it takes a lot of effort. We're in the limited quantity uh, right now, but it is phasing up now. Manufacturing is starting to really ramp up and they're distributing. So we, as a county, have some doses available at the hospitals, some at the pharmacies, some at the private providers. The county as a public entity only got about 1,100 doses. So those we pushed out. We pushed out to our healthcare workers and we pushed out to those at highest risk. Texas has established those at highest risk to be those over 65 mm -hmm. and then those with certain medical conditions. Now those certain medical conditions, there's a list of nine of them. But if your healthcare provider feels like you need it, they can just document. They don't have one of these nine, but I believe they need it. Okay, it doesn't ha it's not limited to that list. So I want people to know that the list can include anything that they feel compromises their health and their doctor can just write a statement and they are on that list, or it's anybody that is 65 and older. So if they, if they have any reason to believe they have a condition that puts them in a, you know, at a risk, they should register. They should register right away. And then all they need to do is just, you know, have their doctor write a note, you need the vaccine, and they, they can come in and get the register, register first and get that note later. You want to get on the, the waiting list. What is the registering process? Okay, so for the county, 
there's at fbchealth.org, there's a pre-registration, okay? Now, at the moment, it's not open because we, we got our 1,000 doses and we had 5,000 people, you know, in, in a matter of hours. And so we closed it at that point, but it's going to open. We'll make an announcement. They go to fbchealth.org, and there's a register for the COVID vaccine here. The hospitals have their own registration process if you've ever been a patient at one of those hospitals. So then you would go call them or you go to their website and you determine how you get on their list. And then your provider may have vaccine. One of the big things the county has done is try to recruit vaccine providers all over the county. So you're, if you go to Kelsey Seabold, they are getting an allotment. If you go to UT Physicians, they are getting an allotment. If you have your own private doctor, they were able to sign up as well. So one of, traditionally, how vaccines come out is through public health. Uh, this administration decided to do 85% of it through the private sector okay. and only a small amount through the public sector. What they're finding, and maybe the new administration may determine to flip that. We don't know that today, right. but if it flips, more of it will definitely come through the county. We have put ourselves in the position to have all the equipment, to have locations throughout the county when we get enough vaccine to do large clinics, but that wasn't the intent originally. So HEB Pharmacy, Kroger Pharmacy, Randall's Pharmacy, all of those are able to distribute vaccine. Whether they have it or not is the issue because right now we're in limited supply phase one. February, we'll be moving into more expanded supply. There'll be more vaccine available. Hopefully there'll be another one approved. And at that point, it should be a lot easier for people to get vaccine. There's just gonna be more out there to get. So as far as Fort Bend County is concerned, if you if you had 1,100 doses, how many doses are you anticipating or you desirous of in February? Okay, so <laughs> I would be desirous. We've got eight, over 800,000 people in our county, okay? So if I could get 100,000 doses to start pushing out, that's what I would want. If that's going to happen in February, I, I wish I could tell you I knew the plan is developed at the federal level, and we don't know any more than an HEB knows. All we know is we signed up, and we hope we get our doses. And literally, that is how... Um, that, that's just, that was the plan this time. And so, um, but I would love to get at least 100,000 doses and, and then get another 100,000 more. So that Have would be great. Have you discuss the option of, of, of mass vaccination venues? Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. So um, we, we've already stood up our fairground site. And I think it, it will, if you think about how we did testing, so we started with the fairgrounds, one, because it's large, it's, um, it doesn't seem central if you live far east or if you live far north, but it is central as far as where the population is. We've got a lot of people up North Katy area in that area, and then we have a lot of people on the east side. And so when, we, when we're at the fairgrounds, it, it's a good location for being able to do a lot of people in a day. We could ramp up to, to 500 in a day. Um, or more, possibly. Then we have a, um, Commissioner Prestige has been helping us find locations on the east side, so in Precinct 2 area. And then uh, the other commissioners are helping us in the other areas, so Commissioner uh, uh, Myers in the um, north side of the county. Large venues, and people are stepping up, private entities, um, large venues are stepping up to the plate. Plus, if you'll recall, we did um, drive-through, and we still do drive-through uh, at, at Smart Financial and other places, right. there we could expand there to do some drive-through testing along with drive-through vaccination. 
and then um, the high schools. Fort Bend ISD has always been a great partner of ours. And so we did drive-through flu to practice what it would look like if we were doing drive-through COVID vaccines. So we, we have um, high schools identified. In addition, we purchased a mobile unit. We should take uh, possession of that sometime in February and we will be able to go to targeted locations. So we can do maybe a Sunday afternoon in a church parking lot or uh, you know Tuesday evening at a community center so that we make sure that we as a county, we wanna make sure that we are getting that, that safety net population of people who may not be able to get to other locations at other times. You know, Dr. Mentor, it seems like Harris County is ahead of Fort Bend County. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that? So that is based on, I'm assuming, population, okay? By being, you know, we are the, the suburb, suburb, we're smaller, but they are going to always uh, garner more as the third largest county in the country. So remember, this plan is federal. Fort Bend County is in the top 100, but it's not in the top five. <laughs> so when it's a, a, a federal plan, they're going to be looking at Harris County the same way they're looking at Los Angeles and New York and you know the big, big areas. And because we are next to them, it's, it's hard to kind of see that and you feel like, well, well we're left out. But we are also, we can't avail ourselves of, of Harris County as well, just like they send people out here for testing. We test everybody in the region. Yeah. As we say, the disease is everywhere, so we test everybody. And if we can get on their site, yeah, everybody from Fort Bend could, could get vaccine in Harris County if they could actually register. It does not matter where you live. Oh, it's important. Uh, it's, right. It does not matter. They can absolutely, they can absolutely register there. Now, Dr. Mary, now we heard that, that there's a sequence that you're supposed to take one vaccination, then there's a, a, there's a I guess, a, a pause, and then you take a second. Can you explain that for us, please? Sure. So the two vaccines that are available right now are two-dose. So there's two-dose series. So um, you take one, and either three or four weeks later, you take the next one. Mm -hmm. And then it's about two weeks after that before you will um, get your full immunity. But it does take two in order to um, complete that. Now there is a one dose that's coming out as well, but we don't know quite when it's gonna be approved, but that one dose will come out. There'll be a vaccine that will, will only require one dose. So what's the difference between the first one and the second dosage? So the first one is kind of uh, like priming the pump, okay? So kind of gets your body used to recognizing what may come next. The right. second one is important because it really revs up your immune response so that when the that when the virus actually hits you it can get it out of the way quickly okay and so that's why we need to the first one is i want you to notice and recognize and start to fight but it doesn't want you to be overwhelmed okay so the second one then gets that full response and ready to fight so that's why it takes two and so if it's true and you can tell the science on this if it's true that 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 the antibodies or, or aggressive and, 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 and there's more protection, then what's the process of just getting the antibodies? Um, so you mean the uh, monoclonal antibodies that yeah. people have been talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So generally those are given if you already are in the process of disease. A vaccine is before you ever even get. That's good to know. That's very good to know. So the antibodies, if someone is, has been diagnosed with COVID, they have COVID. Mm -hmm. At that point in time, you could consider the antibodies because you have it. 
Right. Right. And the vaccination is trying to prevent you from ever, ever acquiring it. Exactly. It's good to know. It's good to know. We've heard that so many times. We just wondered about that. Because you've, you've seen people who supposedly have it and, and then they go to the hospital and in a matter of days or weeks, then they're back in the office. And you wonder, how, how did that happen? Right, right. Okay, okay. Uh, are there any special cost consideration for something like that? Excellent question. Excellent question. So the vaccine rollout is at no cost. There are uh, private providers are charging an administrative fee. As you know, it's not free at all. It just means no cost to you. So there's an administrative fee because um, there's software people have to, you know, uh, put together. They have to have special freezers. But anything from the county is at no charge. And also, I believe private providers have been told if someone cannot pay that administrative fee, they do not have to, that's not a reason to keep them from getting the vaccine, okay? So, but, but as far as the public sites, no cost at all. They may charge your insurance for that administrative fee, not at a public site, but, you know, at a private site, but it should be no cost out of someone's pocket. Mm -hmm. Have you heard anything about anyone concerned about their, their genes or, or, or their genetic makeup from taking the vaccination? Have you heard anything about that? Yes, and it kind of makes sense. I mean, these are these are it's a it's a newer methodology. It's certainly been around for for over probably about seventeen years. They started with the first SARS, and they were working on this this technology. Just got ramped up, in, you know, in this last year. But mRNA, people know that's a genetic term, right? But it all it means is of the virus. We took that mRNA and we sequenced it. So scientists kind of made their own recipe. It's not anything that's inserted into our DNA doesn't even go near our DNA. So it doesn't change that at all. Wow, okay, okay. That's, that's a good, good, because I got a lot of questions about that. Mm -hmm. um, you've already addressed the issue about where people can go to get vaccinations as soon as we get some, something to actually just to vaccinate people with is so important. What about this idea of this second strand? Explain this second strand. Yes, yes, you mean the one out of, of um, the UK in Britain? That's yes, and also, yeah, here, yeah. Right, has arrived here, right. So kind of that's where they, they found out about it, and it's here. And I will say, just like anything else, it was probably here before we noticed um, because we have to test for it. If we're not testing for it, we don't know that it's here, right? So it's probably here. So what we understand is that it is no more dangerous to the public, but it is more contagious. So where if you were in a room with someone prior, maybe, you know, out of a room of 10, maybe three or four of you might get infected. Mm -hmm. With this one, maybe eight or nine will get infected mm -hmm. because it's just so much more contagious, which means it's very hard to rein in. That makes it even more important that when the vaccine is available and you're on that list, be ready for that call, be ready for that email, be checking all the time because you could get a call at any point and and they could say, we have a no-show appointment. Please come in. You know, we can fill in. Just go on and get that vaccine because, because it's so contagious. And right now, all of the activity, all the loving we did on people for uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's is showing up in a not-so-pleasant way right now. So we want um, to make sure we know that, that it could be part of that, that new strain that's out there. Okay, okay. Yeah. For people who've had COVID before, mm -hmm. can you get COVID again? Yes, yes. We are seeing some reinfections, for sure. We also know that um, this is one of the vaccines, and by doing this technology, that it may actually give you more lasting immunity 
than the disease itself. So a lot of times when you get the disease, you have a lasting immunity, right? But more lasting than sometimes a a vaccine. But this time, um, they think that you might actually get longer lasting immunity with the vaccine. Of course, it's all new. So we don't know because it's only been around a year, but that's what it's looking like. So if you've had it before, we are encouraging you to please get the vaccine. Okay, please get the vaccine. We don't want you to try to get it while you're sick with it. You know, you're going to wait until you recover, but we do want you to get the vaccine. Okay. Okay. So just as far as the average Joe Blow, who's moderate, good health, as far as they can determine, um, no known pre-existing conditions or anything. When can they anticipate being able to get a vaccine? So we're hoping that it's completely open to everybody. Uh, late spring, early summer, that it, you know, that we have enough vaccine, that the whole healthcare, all the healthcare workers are done at that time. And then our high-risk people, we've targeted those who are most vulnerable, and we've got a majority of those done. Now we'll have some, right, still, but at that point is when we'll want to be spreading it to everybody, those in good health, those who are not over 65. It, but they'll have it because we don't know which one of ones of those would end up very ill, and we also don't want them spreading it. So that that will be the time to be looking for it. Now with the new administration. I will tell you that might be sped up. If they can really start to speed up this process, we all want to get back to normal. We want to go back to school the next year the way we went the years before. If we can speed up that process, it may be available to everybody even earlier in the spring. Wow, okay, that's that's good good news. So you you spoke earlier about if someone's high risk, they contact their physician, they need to register, then contact their physician. What about the people who are attached to those people who are high? consider high risk. Could they also get the vaccinations they're around them? Absolutely. 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 So just make sure that you just, the best thing to do is register because you don't know the day when we'll change the rules, right? When we'll say, oh, we have enough now. And so we can add more people in. So just always register. Um, I think one of the urgent cares uh, that was doing a lot of really good work, she got a lot of doses early, had two different, um, uh, you know, kind of registration paths. The healthcare worker at high risk and then others because she wanted that list there ready to go as soon as it's opened up, you know, then other people can as well. So certainly the people who are attached to those high risk people should register as well. Dr. Mendez, there's one group we have not talked about, and that is children. Yes. What about children? What impact are you seeing on children? Yes. So with our children, um, we are seeing, and we didn't know this when we talked before, uh, we didn't know what the effect of children would be. Well, children get the disease like anybody else. Uh, They can get infected like anybody else, but they seem to weather the disease very well. Okay. So we, now we have data with the schools being open, lots of cases that they seem to weather the disease well, but they also share it well. They don't seem to share necessarily more or less. Older children, our teenagers definitely share it quite well with right. others at risk. So, but vaccine-wise, we're still in trials. There's one trial right now that is, um, well, the Pfizer vaccine is open to 16-year-olds and older, uh, but there's um, one trial with them now going down to age 12. So what we do with children is, since we know that they're not at risk of getting that severe disease, right. uh, we don't see that at all with them, then we that's not our first push. We want them vaccinated because we don't want them transmitting the disease, right. but they're not our first push. And we want to make sure that it's safe for children. So they're starting those trials with children now. Certainly, just like with adults, we don't want to make anybody sick 
while we're trying to keep everybody well. It's mm, good work. Good work. That's right. That's right. That's right. So our beautiful little babies who, who we just love, uh, they could be potential carriers. So we need to still uh, mask up, watch their interaction, watch their activities. And, that, and that's especially important for, for school teachers. Absolutely. School teachers around children. And, and, and those kids, and some kids are just, you know, they're just nasty and we always think kids with their runny nose and stuff, you know, just being a kid. We all were a little nasty when we were kids. So that's kind of normative. So, so tell me this, Dr. Mentor, as you look down as much as you can, because I understand that, in fact, you're not, you're not sovereign, you're not omniscient, but as you look down this, this, this tunnel, um, what do you see for the fall of 2021 and what do you see in the beginning of 2022? So let's, let's start with the spring. I see us doing what we're doing now, rolling up our sleeves, getting ourselves vaccinated, continuing to wear our masks and distance. We have so much disease out there right now. Yeah. I've heard, well, if I can just get this vaccine, then I can take this mask off. Please don't do that. It's just too much disease. We don't know if we can transmit it. And there are too many people that are still vulnerable. In the following months, let's talk about the summer. I see us really pushing out, let's get everybody, let's get our kids vaccinated. At that point, we'll have the data and then we'll, we'll know it's safe for our children. And before they go back to school, we won't have to worry about our teachers, right? And we'll, we'll all be there. If we can do this and we can do it well, I see an excellent fall. I think that there will still need to be some mitigation strategies mm -hmm. in the fall, but not. But we will be able to congregate in the fall in, in ways that we've been wanting to do without the fear of so much destruction when we do that. So um, that means that if we do get together, we may have some disease outbreaks in pockets. You know, that may happen, but we don't have to worry about you know, laying a complete family out or yeah. a half of a nursing home, something like that. We, we really won't have to worry about that because we will have enough people covered. I should ask you, you're the one that, that may be able to tell me what you, what you're hearing from on high uh, about where, where we are. But you know, this is a road we've been on. We've yeah. been, we, we know there are consequences to our behavior. We know that it's sat in our lap and we can, we can believe it or not, yeah. but it plays out the way it plays out. But I certainly, there's a lot of reason for hope for the fall. Amen, amen, amen. You know, I, I encounter people who have a lot of uh, pandemic frustration. Yes. They're just tired of, of masks. They're tired of quarantine. They're tired of, you know, watch, some of you wash your hands. They're tired of being separated from friends and loved ones. And they just say, okay, now let's just take a break. Let's breathe. Let's just kind of reinstitute some normal life as we once knew it. But that's dangerous right now because the consequences are so high when you do that. So, so whenever we let our guards down and clamor for this, this old normal that we once knew, little did we know that those are the times we had these super spreader events going on, even within our families. And that's what I'm seeing happen. People are just frustrated, they're tired. And I'm saying, but we can't give up yet. We cannot, the time is coming. The time is coming. There's more behind us than in front of us. If we'll remember that, I will tell you, you, you absolutely spoke a good word because we were very tired and said, you know, I'm doing Thanksgiving. I am, I've watched us um, on film, you know, in the airports, no masks. We just said, we're done. The virus said, I don't care that you're tired. Yeah. I just want to live. Yeah. And we are bearing the consequences 
of being tired. The vaccine does not respect the fact that we want to love on each other. Yeah. We try to put out good ways to do that, right? We try to say you can, but try to do it in these ways. But when you're tired, you don't even want to, you don't want anybody telling you what to do. And all we say is just do it safely, as safely as possible. We understand it's human nature, but the vaccine just is going to, I mean, not the vaccine, but the virus is going to take advantage of that. And it would be a shame to have the vaccine here. And because you didn't want to continue these practices for just a little while longer, yeah. you lose a loved one. Yeah. And that would be a shame. Yeah, that would be a shame. Wow. Well, Dr. Mentor, I thank you. I'm going to give you the last word because um, you've answered so many inquiries and questions and, and speculations and just fear, just the fear of a vaccination that that some believe rolled out, but I think it was so intertwined with just, the, I guess, the actual administration. And But now to have you to speak about this. So so what, what word of wisdom would you give on your way out? Because people are watching and listening. What would you say to them? I would say that vaccines don't save lives. Vaccinated people save lives. Mm -hmm. Do yourself, your family, your neighbors a favor and get vaccinated. If you have any concerns, do your homework. Ask people that have knowledge. It is understandable that you have these concerns. Nobody blames you for that. But find a trusted person. Do your own homework. Please look at good sources. Don't go to social media that may hype certain events or things. Trusted sources. Ask trusted people. Do your homework. Go to the faith community. We've, we've educated the faith community. They ask questions and then be a champion. Once you understand and feel comfortable, be a champion for your family and your community and get vaccinated so that we can get back to where we want to be. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Miniman. God bless you and keep you and use you and take care of you and your family because in these days we need wisdom. We need knowledge. We need wisdom and we need the faith to believe that the best is still yet to come. Absolutely. God bless you. God keep you. Thank you for your time today, my sister. Where there's kitchen table, you need to pull your family together, pull your, your cousins and all your kin folks, and watch this. Listen to this. Here's what you have been waiting for. Because you've said, I haven't heard it from anyone who looked like us. Well, today you have. And so I want you to act on what you've heard. Don't you perish because of a lack of knowledge or because of an exuberance of fear. Act on it. You've heard it. Now let's be about it. May God bless you. May God keep you. I'll see you next week right here at the kitchen table. Have a great day.